everybody. I got a few things that I want to tell you guys about before we start the show today. And the first is that our back to school special. We're doing a back to school special. It will air this Friday. It'll be in the place of the normal Friday episode. So if there's political news, we might do a little bonus stuff. But it's going to feature uh, interviews with a few experts, including my, uh, well, we got some surprises. We got some surprises for you. Anyway, that'll be this Friday. But that means that we are going to also do a little back-to-school mailbag. So if you are a teacher, if you are a parent, I want to hear from you, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Tell me what people are doing in your situation and what you would like to see done. No childless people. We want no childless opinions. I'm going to be the only childless person on this show. And, and, and... As my good friend Brian likes to say, there's more. This is the last week we have before convention coverage starts. Yes. No one knows what these things are going to look like. And who else do you want to break down the most bizarre political conventions in modern history than your boy? I'm going to be there every second of it. Because I'm going to be doing live coverage on my Twitch channel. Twitch.tv slash Justin R. Young. Here's the details. DNC runs from August 17th to August 20th. RNC is the 24th through the 27th. Now, I'm going to be live covering mostly the main speaker blocks. That is 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time each of those nights. Twitch.tv slash Justin R. Young. The PX3 live coverage is on. Don't miss a second of it. Head to twitch.tv slash Young and follow my channel now or download the Twitch app that is on iOS and Android. Search for Justin R. Young there and follow that account. No lie, all of my depression about not being able to cover these things live has been channeled into our live stream uh, uh, sets and, and energy and planning, so I'm very excited to see you guys and watch these bizarre spectacles with you. Twitch.tv slash Justin R. Young. The following is brought to you by Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Paul Boyer, Michael Bolick, and Will Harris. March 10th, 2020. But there's one vision that I can't get out of my head. Barack Obama on one side, hands raised, holding Joe Biden's hand, Joe Biden's other hand, raised, holding Kamala Harris's hand. Mm. March 11th, 2020. I mean, who do you think? I mean, you, you know this game better than anyone. Is there some kind of wild card candidate that you think hasn't been mentioned you think Biden's going to have his eyes off? Not that I think hasn't been mentioned. And, and the one vision that I can't get out of my head is the falling confetti in Milwaukee, assuming that we don't have a coronavirus cancellation. Uh, but it's Obama holding Biden's hand aloft, Biden holding Kamala's hand aloft. And that's the vision mm-hmm. that they want to sell is, mm. is Joe Biden is the white man suspension bridge between the two first black presidents uh, of, of America. May 27th, 2020. 
Biden 2020 has proven themselves to be, if it ain't broke, don't fix it in terms of their basic core strategy. And I think they're going to put Joe Biden with a black woman. And I believe that black woman is going to be Kamala Harris. Yesterday, August 11th, 2020. Let me tell you something, brother. Rice, get out of here. Karen Bass, back in the lake. Kamala Harris is your VP. I guarantee it. Let's go back to our breaking news from the United States. Joe Biden has picked Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate in the upcoming U.S. elections. So what do we know about Mr. Biden's new running mate? Politics, 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 politics. I did not ask for these gifts! <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast. Oh, baby, we got a lot to talk about. This content drought, lo, we have walked through the desert, friends, hand in hand, hoping that we will eventually come across an oasis. More so, we have been blessed by the reigns of God. Yes, content is here. News is here. And of course, it is as I have foreseen. Kamala Harris is your vice presidential nominee for... Joe Biden, and unsurprisingly, we are clearing out the entire episode so we might talk about the Kamala Harris selection. We're going to cover it from a bunch of sides. Uh, we got a lot of interviews on this show. Andrew Heaton is going to be on. My mom is going to be on. We have the progressive side with Jack Allison. We've got the Trump side with Chad Prather and... A lot of you guys love this guy because he challenged me on my Haida Biden take. Michael Sokolow is going to be here to talk about whether or not the safe pick is the right pick. A lot of voices, a lot of conversation. So before we get into that, let's get into my thoughts. All right. Uh, beyond all the pro wrestling theatricality of of the prediction and i appreciate you guys for indulging me with some of that let's talk about why i was as confident as i was for as early as i was that kamala was the pick and the reason is that the biden campaign is risk averse they don't want to make a mistake they are so much more terrified of making a mistake than they are trying to seize the moment. And so, Kamala was always going to be safer than everybody else. Kamala was always going to be more polished than everybody else. She's way better on television than everybody else they were talking about, quite frankly. Elizabeth Warren might be the closest, but she's too old, considering age is going to be a factor that they can't hide. They can't put Joe Biden out there and people not look at him and be like, he's old 
Kamala was the safest way that Biden can get back to what he believes is the only ticket he's ever won on. Biden experience plus black youth. That's it. That's the winning formula that gets them the cohorts that they need. It gets people to the polls. They wanted to recreate that. They recreated it with Kamala Harris. So what about the other women? Number one, I don't think Gretchen Whitmer ever really had a shot. Like I said, with Elizabeth Warren, I don't think she ever really had a shot. I didn't think Amy Klobuchar ever really had a shot. And all the dudes got swept off the board when Biden said that a woman was going to be his VP. So let's get to the women that really did have a shot. The only true free radical in this process was Karen Bass. That's it. That's the only person that I think organically bubbled up with support that had any kind of shot. And again, I don't think she really had much of one in the long term, but I don't consider her in the same vein of Susan Rice for what I'm going to talk about Susan Rice in a second. Karen Bass really did shoot up the ladder because progressives thought of her as a, all right, we'll compromise on this. Give us something. The progressive wing of the party is very loud. And they're a lot of the party. You know, they are the very liberal part of the party is something that is burgeoning. Now, how many of those people would sit home because they didn't get anything? I don't know how many. But but in general, I think you could electrify progressive support if they could go back and say, we got something. You're never going to please the revolutionaries. But there is some level of pragmatism in progressivism, and I do think that the idea of Karen Bass was just give us a little thing. You didn't really give us much on the platform. You didn't give us much in the campaign. Can you can you give us this? Can you just not pick the safe thing and just give us something? You know that Karen Bass was a free radical on this because of how she was attacked by the antibodies of the Democratic National Committee. I mean, she got decimated. She got, I mean, the Nazis that opened the ark in Indiana Jones would look at what happened to Karen Bass and go, damn, that's harsh. That's how hard it came down on Karen Bass. Bah, Scientology. Bah, you love Fidel. And then they nitpicked her backtracking on it. Now, is that a sign that Karen Bass isn't ready for the big leagues? Did she get a cup of coffee and then she found a major league fastball and couldn't handle it? Possibly. I think that there's there's an argument to say that. But I do think that Karen Bass is different than Susan Rice for this reason. And here's another prediction. I believe Susan Rice was never going to be vice president. I believe that Susan Rice was being used as, like I said before, in this podcast, a jobber, someone to get Kamala Harris over. But what does Susan Rice get out of it? Well, you got to trial balloon Susan Rice. And you saw that most liberals and and the media were fine putting Benghazi behind them. They were fine with Susan Rice possibly being vice president. Enough so to get her 
late into the game. Which means if Biden wins, Susan Rice is your Secretary of State. That's my thought. My thought was, because why else would you trial balloon Susan Rice of all people? She's never held office. But if she's okay for Veep, is she better suited for state? That's what I believe all of this Susan Rice stuff was. So what's the good news and the bad news for Kamala Harris? Well, the good news is that the Biden ticket now has some of that thing that Democratic voters love the best. The laminate the newspaper ticket. Oh, there's something new that can happen. I'm going to tell my grandchildren where I was when the first woman and black woman, Jamaican, South Asian vice president was put into the White House. Now, it's not the president. Normally, you want the president, but hey, uh, this is going to be a weird balancing act where Joe Biden's so old and has hinted openly that he's not going to run again. So Kamala Harris is already your 2024 front runner if Biden wins. Like she's kind of already the president. She'd be more if Biden came out and said, I'm definitely not running another term. Then the day he gets inaugurated, Kamala Harris is more powerful than he is which is crazy because Kamala Harris just ran a campaign for president and it bombed. So it's, it's interesting how party politics works that she just kind of really flamed out and then hides out for a couple months. And and now she's the inside track for the most powerful job on the planet. Wild. But, Democrats love the uh, uh, commemorative coin set, the uh, uh, specialty China, the laminate the newspaper candidates. Uh, you, you got something along those lines now in a, in a world where you weren't going to have any of that with just Joe Biden on the ticket. What's the bad side? I don't know who Kamala Harris excites that wasn't already excited by Joe Biden. People that hate Donald Trump are going to vote for Joe Biden. But Kamala Harris was not particularly exciting, at least in the primaries, to young black voters. That might change. She is not exciting to progressive voters. In fact, some progressive voters loathe her. Loathe her. And her aesthetic as a Bay Area liberal may turn off some of the Lincoln Project, never Trump Republicans that Biden explicitly is trying to court. I mean, the Lincoln Project put out an ad yesterday that was, I'm with her too. And I mean that both as the number and as the as well. Kamala Harris, a strong voice for a better America, daughter of immigrants, a passion for justice, a happy warrior in the battle for the soul of America.
Joe Biden and Kamala just a soft focus Hillary Clinton ad for Kamala Harris. Which I don't know if the people that I mean, number one, all right, quick, quick side jag on the Lincoln Project. I love the Lincoln Project now. I love them more than many members of my own family because they are doing something for me that my family never could, proving the central thesis of this podcast and really my entire career, which is that while the issues that we all hold dear, when we look out into our world and we see injustice and we see a broken system and we see a better way forward and we live in a country where these things can change and oftentimes they can change rapidly and we get frustrated when they don't change fast enough. That our issues are valid. Our opinions are valid. What we need to avoid are the grifters and the con men that populate our democracy. It's the reason I like talking about the X's and O's of campaigns so much. Because only when we know what these jobs are, only when we understand that their jobs are to get more people into a booth to press a button, that's it. Beyond the issues, do we realize that the professionals of this trade exist and they exist beyond what they truly might believe in their soul? That being said, The fact that we can sometimes see such blinding hypocrisy in some of these professionals, some of these mechanics, that we see people go from one side of the spectrum as demagogues to the exact opposite side of the spectrum as demagogues. That's when we truly can appreciate all of this. It is all laid bare. And the Lincoln Project are exactly that. They have all run their entire careers destroying candidates like Kamala Harris. Destroying candidates like Kamala Harris. Picking them apart. Finding their one flaw and exploiting them. These are all Republican operatives that have found themselves without a job. So they did, men after my own heart, like I did, went to the internet and just asked money, asked for money so we could just ply our trade and then said to the internet, well, who do you want us to destroy? And they said, Trump, and they go, cool. And so now they are doing soft focused ads for Kamala Harris of all people. And if they haven't attack added Kamala Harris before, then they have certainly attack added somebody spiritually like Kamala Harris. So that's my thing on uh, just understand that these people are out there and they don't really care about these issues. They don't. They're they're good at what they do. Lincoln Project's good at throwing Molotov cocktails. Now they're throwing it at Trump. And guess what? If Trump gets voted out, they're going to be right back on the conservative side, throwing those Molotov Molotov cocktails at Kamala Harris in four years when she runs for president. I guarantee you that. Guarantee you that. All right. That's my Lincoln Project spiel. Let's get back to Kamala. In summation, Kamala is safe for Biden, but I don't know what she adds. And if you staple the two of them together, I think you have zero great campaigning candidates. 
Kamala did not prove to be a great national campaigning candidate. Biden has not proven to be a great campaigning candidate. Now, this is an election where nobody has to campaign. So maybe that is hidden. You don't need to do it. But if part of this is how you connect to America, then I feel that that might still be cold. I don't think there's a lot of warmth there from either of them, let alone the kind of campaign that they are running. And I'll bet you in the Biden campaign's headquarters, well, maybe not there, because obviously they're, they're in the throes of it. They're, they're, they're charging ahead 100 miles an hour. But maybe in their heart of hearts, they might hear all that criticism and say, Doy, guess what? It doesn't matter. Donald Trump killed 160,000 people and counting. Donald Trump loved the economy, touted the economy, was running on the economy. Well, guess what? Now his economy's got a 10% unemployment rate. He's got a, a, a party that's defecting from him. This dude is a dud and a loser. Coronavirus is his Iranian hostage crisis. He's Carter and he's getting booted. It doesn't matter whether or not we ran Kamala and Biden, uh, uh, Biden and uh, uh, a talking dog, uh, uh, Biden and uh, the, the ghost of James Garfield. Who cares? It's not Trump. People hate Trump. He's going. He's out. There's no campaigning because Trump screwed up so bad. Every day that we're not out on the trail, everyone's reminded, oh yeah, I can't see my grandma because Trump screwed up. And that's what matters. That all these little eh, pencil neck Media vulture insights eh, sitting in your Oakland apartment, hipster, and uh, talking about what you think should happen. Who cares? The fact of the matter is, Trump is awful. This is the not Trump option. And to that, all I would say is, better hope you're right. All right, enough of me monologuing. Let's go ahead and get to the guests. Our first is no stranger to the show, nor is she going to bring anything but unrestrained excitement to this, obviously a very big day to the Democratic Party. She is Gloria Young, presidential vote receiver, my mom. Uh, uh, Kamala Harris has been selected as the vice president of... Joe Biden. I don't know if she was ever at the top of your list when she was running for president, but how do you think of her as a vice president? I am absolutely thrilled. I think it was the best possible pick ever. Ever. Yes. Even more than Pete. You were you were you were the number one Pete guy. But he but he but he wasn't he wasn't in the running for VP. He wasn't on the list. No, because Biden said it was going to be a woman. It was going to be a woman. So yeah. he locked himself in to a woman. So there was no way he could have. I think Pete would have been an excellent choice for VP, but that wasn't an option. So Kamala, I thought, was the next best choice of all the the ladies that he was um, considering. Was yeah. there was there anybody else that was even on your radar? I thought maybe Elizabeth Warren, but, you know, she probably would have been okay, too. But 
whoever he picked, I wanted to make sure that that person was going to be able to step in as president if need be. So you more than like, ever. So 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 you are you concerned about Joe's age? Well, look, there's there's no question about the fact that um you know, I think he's already said that he does not want to run for a second term. A lot of people say um, that. There's no, no question about the fact that he's older. He's going to be the oldest president we ever elected. So, so you know, it's not that I'm really concerned about his age because I think he is very healthy and I think he's, you know, he's in good, he's in good shape now, but you never know. You know, at that age, you just never know what's going to happen. So his VP running mate had to be someone incredibly strong that could could step in in the event of unforeseen circumstances. Does it worry you that when she ran for president, it was a disaster and she dropped out before Iowa? Um, no. Because at least at least Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, like they they made their way into the race a little bit. They they got a little buzz. They were doing pretty good. Kamala Harris flamed out before Iowa even started. Yeah, but no, it doesn't it doesn't concern me because of the fact that she is going to be a support person for him. Yeah, she's going to be the right hand, and as the right hand. I think that she, it's just the perfect role for her right now. It's a it's a perfect grooming role. I mean, whether or not Biden does actually serve two terms, she could potentially run at some point in the future on her own, you know. But what a what a tremendous uh, role for her to step in at this time of her career, and I, I just think it's a win win all the way around for everyone. What do you think Kamala's greatest strength is? Uh, I think because she's very well versed in what's going on in in our Congress. I mean, I mean, she's only been it, there. Congress she's only been there for four make, years. She's only been there for four years. She's barely moved into her office. Uh, uh, I get that, but she's she's no she's not green. She's been there four years. She yeah. Already knows well, three and three and a half, whatever. Yes. Yeah, she's on one of the most powerful committees. She's a smart lady. She is she, smart. She, she's smart. Knows her way around. Yeah. What do you think her greatest weakness is? Um I honestly I I can't say with any with any real intelligence behind it. I can it. I, I can I, I can give you know. I can give you what 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 I would guess the like Google auto completes would be if, if, if you want to peruse no. them. Uh, number no. one, uh, uh, she is a cop in an era when cops aren't very particularly uh, well thought of. Uh, she was the attorney general of San Francisco, the attorney general of California. And in that time, she put people behind bars for drug crimes. And uh, in California, or sorry, uh, San Francisco put forth a program where parents would be sent to jail if their kids were truant. Uh, I do remember reading about that. And, you know, honestly, I, I think if anything else, she can turn that around to her benefit and say, look, I understand the 
the trials and tribulations of what's going on in the police department now. And I, I can, I can help make things better. I, I think she can flip that issue. Uh, I was actually surprised he didn't run more on that when she actually ran. The other thing, and this is what uh, the Trump campaign seems to have circled around, is that she's phony. She got up on stage and called Joe Biden a racist and enjoyed the poll bounce from it, and then she flamed out, and now she's uh, his vice president. Okay, well, if that's the best they can come up with, uh, have at it. What can I say? You don't. You don't worry. You don't worry about that coming off as inauthentic. No, I don't. I don't because look when when everybody was on the debate stage and there were eighteen people up there or however many ridiculous number there were in the democratic <laughs> debate. Yes, I mean everybody was out for blood. You know, everybody was out to to you know cut the other one's throat. So, uh, you know, to me, what what she might have said, it's it's it's, it's water under the bridge. It doesn't mean anything at this point. Here would be the other element that uh, I think she is going to be campaigned against, and that is that she is a sign of the further drift of the Democratic Party to the left, and and that that is something that makes people uncomfortable. She was for Medicare for All, at least according to a Trump campaign uh, commercial, which is true. She then wound up kind of not being for Medicare for All, but for what for a moment mm-hmm. she, she did she did the hokey pokey and then turned herself around, mm-hmm. uh, right. <laughs> Uh, uh, do you think that there is a drift? Because that's the new element of of uh, uh, the, the the Trump campaign against Biden is that he is an empty vessel. He uh, is he is just being filled with left. Yeah, he's yes, being filled with yes. the crazy ideas of the radical left. Oh please! Again, it's all just hoopla. Try and you know make people think that that he's so extreme. Uh, no, I, I just think that's it's ridiculous it's just ridiculous they they just want to do they want to do what's right for the people of this country they want to unite people they want to bring the country back together they want to they they want to do things that are good for the health and welfare of the citizens of the united states of america and that's what it's all about that's why they're public servants wow you're you're like full kool-aid drunk on on these guys you, and not even you just agree with them you think that they're scions of all progress no i mean compared to what we have well now. no 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 uh-uh. no you don't get to do you don't get to do look because you can say i agree with them more than i agree with the other guy that's comparative to say that the only reason why kamala harris and joe biden are in public service is because they are selfless angels that are bringing forth progress and uh, uh compassion is a different thing Look, the the way I the way I interpret things in my mind right now, I feel like our current administration is working for everyone but the citizens of this country. That's how I personally feel. Sure. And I feel like Biden and Harris care about the people. And that means a lot to me. It just means a lot to me because I feel like they will be looking out for the, the, the well-being of everybody from, you know, the, the people that live on the street to the middle class to the, you know, 
to the people that make good money and continue to make good money, but everybody's got to pay their share. So I just feel like they're going to be fair. You are, you are so in the tank. Where are you going to get the tattoo on your face or on your arm? (laughs) I don't do two tattoos. You're going to do it. You're going to do a face. You're going to do a Harris Biden face tattoo. Like you're a rapper. That's what you're going to do. Right. (laughs) No, 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 no. No. All right. For all your listeners, don't write in Gloria Young. Both uh, Biden Harris. Okay. Yes. We're all aware. We're all aware uh, uh, that that you you are not in uh, you are you are not in support of me writing in your name <laughs> on ballots or any of our listeners. Uh, all right, mom. So, thank you so much. You're welcome. And now for a guest who has a slightly more critical view of this particular situation. Uh, meaning that uh, while he might still vote for the ticket, he's not going to be rushing out to get a Biden-Harris Act Blue QR code tattooed on his forehead like Takashi 69 one of my brothers in arms when it comes to uh, independent political podcasting, good friend of this program, vice presidential candidate under the rogue Whig party, Andrew Heaton. Andrew, how you doing? Good. Uh, a little bit sad that I, I didn't also get the Democratic nomination, but otherwise I'm fine. How are you, Justin? Uh, excellent. Excellent. Uh, Kamala Harris. Now, this is a pick that a lot of people, including me, uh, uh, saw coming from a mile away for a bunch of different reasons. But what are right. your what are your first uh, takeaways from it? Um. You know, I thought she was going to be bigger in the 2019 race or in the primaries than she was. Uh, And uh, she fizzled out a little bit early. Uh, She makes sense to me. I'll say overall, I'm kind of relieved. Uh, I'm not a big like I I fit in very well with the Colorado Democrats of like John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett, like like Democrats who like markets and math. I like those folks. Right. Uh, she's a little bit out of that zone. I don't, she didn't really strike me as that she's more of a, a progressive Democrat, but that said though, um, I am not an Elizabeth Warren fan. And yeah. I was worried that I had managed to manu- I'd managed to survive the primaries without having to choose between Trump or Warren and Bernie. Yeah. And uh, and I was afraid that they were going to that one of them was going to come in the back door, uh, specifically Warren. And because, you know, the, both presidential candidates are old enough that whoever their vice president is has a, a strong chance of either inheriting the White House or uh, moving up. And so uh, between uh, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, I was like, all right, yeah, she's she's kind of the one I was rooting for uh, between the two. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little bit relieved. I need to do a deep dive though, because I'll say at least with Warren, I know what she's about. I don't fully understand what Kamala Harris is about. I never quite, she, she didn't have like, I think in terms of policies, like I think in terms of like, what do you want to do? Yeah. And what are the actionable steps you're going to do to take it? I'm not looking to elect a chaplain. I'm yeah. looking to elect somebody to do stuff. And I never, I didn't really get a good idea of what she was wanting to do. Well, I think you might have just hit on exactly part of the problem for Kamala Harris is that it's a little difficult to find out exactly what she wants to do, aside from what's trending on Twitter. And sometimes even that she backs away from, like she did with Medicare for All during the primary campaign. It does seem her baseline is kind of interesting because she comes out of Northern California politics. She is very much of the uh, 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 the same cloth as like Gavin Newsom, our current governor here in California. Yeah. So, but yet she ran as the law and order candidate 
in San Francisco as attorney general and then ran as more of a law and order candidate for state attorney general. So it's almost as if like her baseline is Bay Area progressive, but then she she has these instincts to be more kind of hands on. But I don't know if that really translates to national policy, per se. No, I mean, that might help her out. I mean, I think that Trump is going to run on a kind of re-microwaved Nixon campaign of I'm I'm the law and order guy. You know, Democrats want to burn down cities. I'm the guy that wants to send in tanks. And if if the vice presidential candidate is an actual law and order person with a track record in it as a prosecutor, it's a little bit easier to, to negate that as a selling point. That That is if she runs on it, which she did not if in the primaries. And, and I don't think she will do as vice president because there is I, I don't think that. And this is part of. What, no, it's certainly not after the George Floyd, George Floyd protests. Like I'll say of, of the women that were in the wings, I was very much rooting for Amy Klobuchar. I didn't think she'd get it. But once once the George Floyd, uh, George Floyd protests happened in her home state, that she'd been a prosecutor and I was like, she, she was probably not going to make it anyway, but she's toast now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I think as soon as the top front runners that were being mentioned were Susan Rice and Kamala Harris and Karen Bass, that it's like, no white woman has a chance. Like, like yeah. we are, we are totally like, as soon as it, it's, you're taking away a black woman getting the nod to put a white woman in, then right. that was something that the Biden campaign, I don't think, wanted to go near because they're very risk averse. Mm -hmm. Well, and you'd also I mean, for months, I mean, this is way back. You were saying that Biden would gravitate towards the the visual image of him holding hands with Barack Obama, our first black yes. president and a, a black vice presidential candidate that he'd, he'd pull the Biden Oreo maneuver to really bind himself to the black vote. <laughs> now, I and said I said white man suspension bridge. Uh, white man suspension yeah. bridge. Great. The I'm going to call it the Biden Oreo maneuver. Yeah, yeah. I think that, <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't, is that okay to say in 2020? I, oh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm making fun of Biden. Yes. I'm not making fun of the black people. No. But I'm sure somebody would get offended if I said it. And then, you know, yeah. So, there so there we yes, go. it's probably not okay, but I don't care. There we go. All right. I'm with that. Uh, Donald Trump is running against her already in the first ads uh, of her being phony. The fact that she had her highest point in the primaries by calling Joe Biden a racist. And now she is very thrilled to be on his campaign. Do you think calling a politician a phony is something that that works or or doesn't? I mean, it worked well for him in the last last election. I mean, Trump ran on that whole like these guys are all. These guys are all establishment liars that don't actually care about you, and they just say whatever the slick politician thing is to get elected. So it worked, that it'll probably work with this base pretty well. Um, nor do I think it will cause really any uh, any cognitive dissonance for, for Democrats either uh, to look at that and be like, hey, yeah, the vice president did say the old white guy's racist, but there's, oh, well, he's not as racist as the other old white guy, so let's vote for that ticket. Apparently, she also said that she believed uh, Joe Biden's sexual assault accuser. Oh, really? Okay, that is more of a big deal then. She did. Uh, she did say that she believed uh, she believed that. At least that's what I'm seeing. A lot is coming through here on on Twitter yeah, right she, now. Well, she so had I will several clean that up. steps on the campaign trail. Like the, the one that gave me pause, as I said, I prefer her. I'd put of, of, of the, the, the short list for VP candidates for Biden. Klobuchar was at the top. I'd put uh, Kamala Harris in the middle. Um, and uh, uh, one of the things she said that did very much disturb me when she was running was that uh, for president that if, if the Republicans wouldn't pass her gun control bill, uh, she would just pass it through executive order. And Biden, to his credit, 
was like, guys, that's not how executive orders work. They're not just like diktats the president can issue to circumnavigate the Constitution. They're, they're the president directing the internal machinations of the executive branch, which would not include gun control. And uh, it, it made me think higher of Biden and it made me think lower of uh, Kamala Harris because it tells me that she's not she's probably not that hung up on what the law actually is. She's more hung up on what she want the law to be. And I don't think it's the job of the president to uh, make up stuff. Um, so she, she lost a little bit with me on that one. Um, I'm curious as to how this is going to play out in terms of actual politicking. So in, in previous years, the, the, uh, the play was like back when Biden was first running for president and, you know, 1920 or whatever, um, <laughs> the 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 play was there's the Democrats, the Republicans, and then there's this giant swing vote in the middle. And uh, speaking speaking on behalf of the exhausted moderates of the world, the independents of the world that used to be the kingmakers in our heyday, that's gone away now. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're no longer no one cares about us. We're so we're so thin electorally that the strategy is switched from we're going to uh, try and get somebody palatable to the middle to who cares about the middle? We got to fire up that base fire up the base. And I, I find that interesting because I don't think Kamala Harris is going to do very well with Republicans. Like I, I know a lot of never Trump Republicans yeah. and they, they prefer Biden over Trump. They're, they're kind of mentally preparing themselves to vote for, for Biden over Trump, but they don't like Kamala Harris. They don't like, uh, they, they, they find her to be too progressive. They're, they're alarmed by, um, her calls for uh, slavery reparations and, and think that that would further divide the country, et cetera, et cetera. So I think she's going to lose out on the, um, conservative, kind of moderate-leaning Republicans, those few that haven't been tracked down and shot yet. Uh, with with the Democrats, though, the interesting play that I see here is, assuming that Biden is going for the let's rev up the base, Kamala Harris wasn't exactly a barn burner with the base. She didn't do terribly well. No. Um, she dropped out fairly early during the primaries. Yeah, pre-Iowa. Uh, huh? Pre-Iowa. Yeah, pre-Iowa. So it's like it's not like there were that many people that were really excited about her. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess she's in terms of identity politics, she's a black lady. And so she's both a woman and she's a person of color and that she's got that going for her. But I don't know that she's really going to animate the base the way an Elizabeth Warren would have done if, if she'd been on the ticket. I think if, if, if Biden had picked Warren on the ticket, I think that that would really rev up the progressives in the Democratic Party. Yeah. I mean, it depends. You know, some of the, the, the Bernie progressives, I, I think, were were like Bernie or, uh, uh, you know, a, a very closely aligned Bernie adjacent. They are not a fan of Elizabeth Warren. Uh, but uh, some of that was elements of the of, of the campaign itself. If if Biden uh, if Biden pushed for Medicare for all or something like that, then I think it might be a different story. But uh, I don't believe that the progressive wing of the party is particularly jazzed by Kamala Harris. Uh, no. Although then again, uh, the, the question is exactly how much that'll matter. Let me go back real quick because uh, as you said, this is... We, we're in a very odd position with the never Trump, uh, uh, you know, world. Like I, I watched right before here, there's a Lincoln project ad that I know some of those guys that basically is I'm with her too. Like this is a Hillary, a soft focused, right. like Hillary ad pumping up Kamala Harris, which from my perspective, knowing where these guys came from, the Lincoln Project guys, they've run their entire careers burying 
if not Kamala Harris specifically, then certainly the Kamala Harris's of their age. And now it's totally flipped. I, I know that I get why the Lincoln Project does it because it's money. I, I don't know if when the rubber meets the road and electorally, most people, no matter what journey they went to get there, usually wind up coming home to their ideological principles, yeah. whether or not. Well, no, no, I, I want to pause you. They don't come home to their ideological principles. They come, they come home to their tribe. Their tribe, There's a sure. big difference. There. Sure. It's a yeah. difference to say I have principles versus I'm on red team or I'm on blue gotcha. team. And I think people are going to embrace that tribalism of their home team. Uh, but I do think that there is, even if it is not the traditional ideological split, the Democratic Party, uh, uh, and, and believe you me, Biden and Kamala are not the vanguards of the progressive left, but certainly the progressive left has, has become more of a force in the Democratic Party. God knows what Trump stands for, or at least, uh, you know. I think he stands for Trump and volume. I believe sure. those are the only two things. And he, and he is a fan of tariffs. He's been consistent on tariffs. He's a fan uh, of tariffs, but also he... Getting aggressive on China does look better in 2020 than it True. probably yeah. did in 2016 post yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, but then again, there's also the coronavirus, just sort of which naked is its own nationalism thing. and xenophobia in 2016. Now there's at least like a medical component. To now, it. now there's like, oh, okay. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. yeah. I I wonder though whether or not for all the focus on Twitter that the never Trump. Lincoln Project type stuff gets, and boy, howdy, are they raising a lot of money? Uh, does that matter? Like, like are are like uh, certainly there are some Never Trumpers that stayed away in 2016. I think they're going to stay away again. But for the rest of them that came home and voted him into office, can they be swayed? I think that Trump will probably let's a couple of big assumptions here. Let's yeah. assume that the economy limps to a recovery from this point on and doesn't fall off the shelf. Yeah. Like, so let's assume that let's also assume that the, uh, COVID wonderland we're living in remains the up and down weird thing that it's been and that it doesn't like, you know, we don't suddenly lose a million people assuming that basically things, the, the, the current situation remains the same more or less. Yeah. I think Trump will do better with Republicans than he did in the last one. In in the last election, to their credit, there was a handful of Republicans that actually did believe what they claimed to believe that didn't vote for Trump. They either went for Gary Johnson or they went for Ed McMullen or they just didn't vote because, yeah. again, to their credit, he is a walking refutation of everything all of the principled conservatives had been saying for the previous 30 years of their life. And uh, uh, so there, there were a bunch like like in Oklahoma, my home state, like Gary Johnson got like either six or eight percent of the vote, which is huge in a Republican state. I mean, o Oklahoma yeah. is so conservative that like between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney, the state voted for Reagan. Like it's that yeah. like it's that conservative. But a bunch of them defected that weren't libertarians. And were like, I'm not voting for that guy. Now, over the last four years, though, um, the the kind of like uh, the, it's it's now a day to day shock as opposed to an ominous, numinous shock. In 2016, Trump was like, if we elect this guy, are we going to nuke Korea? Like what's going to like, maybe he's going to roll tanks in, into the Potomac. I mean, we don't know what he's going to do right now. We have a good idea what he's going to do. He's going to be an asshole and he's going to, I mean, we, we kind of have a pretty standard Trump operating procedure. So Republicans have already made up their mind on it. And if they were, if they just didn't like him, like kind of the hold your nose voters, they're going to keep going with him. 
And uh, and then for a lot of the people that I think were kind of scared by him or voted third party or went independent, they're no longer scared by him. They, yeah. they, they know what Trump is about. They know what he's going to do. They know what another four years of Trump is going to look like. And so I suspect that you're going to see more people that were adamantly opposed to, to Trump pulled into that uh, hold my nose camp. Yeah. Um, my suspicion is that or at least more so than than I, I think the 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 Twitter crowd wants to believe that these Lincoln project ads are like, just like, uh, like battery acid shedding Trump support, uh, uh, every time you know, they, and make they, a mean they probably ad. are within the, within the existent confines of, of the district of Columbia. I was going to say, yeah, uh, within Georgetown, I think they're yeah. crushing it. Yeah. Cause, cause that, I mean, that's one of the, that was one of the interesting things about Trump in the last election is that people forget that the Republican party, like didn't like Trump. The the leadership attempted oh, no. to snuff him out. I, I, they were all like hanging out in back rooms, going, "If we invent a new form of math, can we can we not get him sufficient amount of delegates?" And you know, National Review did a whole uh, issue about how Trump, you know, was a singular threat that must be stopped. Uh, the uh, uh, the Weekly Standard went under because of its position uh, on Trump, uh, and uh, uh, the 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 Republican establishment in D.C. did not like him or welcome him. And uh, and I suspect that the Lincoln Project will appeal to those guys uh, and it'll appeal to a handful of old, legitimate Reaganite Republicans that just that, that still see Trump for what he is. But, yeah, I think it's going to be limited, though. I don't think that that's going to play in the same way that, it you know, like 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 just random folks in, in the middle of the country. I don't think you're going to watch the Lincoln Project. And and I got to say, Twitter's over like way overblown. Twitter's a micro bubble. Oh, you God, and I are on yeah. Twitter because we're in media. You know who's not on Twitter? People with hobbies that don't work in politics, uh, <laughs> yes. like 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 a lot of people are just going to barbecues and work. And then there's just uh, just like a giant posse of screechy, emotionally incontinent weirdos that go on to Twitter to use as a catharsis for their personal problems. Uh, but I, I don't think it's emblematic of the electorate as a whole. I agree. Andrew Heaton, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Political Orphanage and Alienating the Audience on the podcast. Uh, your rogue Whig party push for vice presidency is the motive that we will all live by as we move toward <laughs> November, specifically if you possibly live in Louisiana. See you later. Yep. And by the way, everybody, if you want to hear more of my conversation with Andrew Heaton, go listen to the episode out now of The Political Orphanage. We did like another 20 minutes on his show, so if you want further conversation with the two of us, go get it there. Politics. All right, let's swing to the left. In fact, we're going to go to the progressive wing of the party. One of our favorite voices, uh, the host of Struggle Session, the host of Jack AM. It is indeed the owner of the U.S. trademark Horse Whisperer Twitter drama to beat the band on that one. Jack Allison, welcome to the show, Jack. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm glad uh, glad to be here. Uh, you have uh, a, a very unique perspective, and really, I, I think I, I felt like in watching your Twitter that uh, you were you would not have been surprised with anybody that Biden would have picked. You know, at this point, honestly, I did put money on Kamala like at the end of June. And so I, I really thought around then that Kamala was going to be the pick, you know, post George Floyd. And I kind of was like hedging a little bit because I was like, why would you like be waiting so long to do this if it's going to be Kamala or whatever? Yeah. You know, it's like it was so odd for them to like draw it out so long and weirdly. And I, I truly 
thought, and I think that this might have been part of the reason why it took so long, is that I really thought that they, like, were upset over the TV moment when, like, she called him a racist, pretty much, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but it ended up being her. Uh, um, you know, I was... I, frankly, toward the end, I'm like, some of the choices that they were floating, like Susan Rice, were just like so bizarre. Honestly, like you I, know, I like think Susan I Rice think I think strange... that they were they were laundering her for state. Like yeah, they, they, I also, they're, they're, I also they're, they're, they're trial maybe... ballooning her. I also think that a lot of this was like right before Kamala to get people to be like, okay, well, Kamala is a good choice then. You know what oh, I mean? If you're I, like I totally agree with that. Susan Rice, that, and then everyone's like, well, like that's truly how I feel about it. Is I'm like, well, at least they didn't go with like the insane choice of someone who's never run for office before and isn't very good on TV. You know what I mean? Like, um, anyway, so like, you know, Kamala really like, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, like as far as progressive politics and like left politics go, like the Biden campaign, you know, really telegraphed from the very beginning that what this campaign was about is like winning back disaffected Trump you know, voters yeah. in the suburbs. Uh, um, and so this campaign from the very beginning, you know, the furthest left Joe Biden was ever going to go uh, was during the primary. Like that is the farthest left we were ever going to see Joe Biden go because yep. that's like how you run that strategy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't in the general suddenly start going further left to win like suburban Trump voters. You know what I mean? So I never expected any kind of concession to the left at all ever from Joe Biden. And so I'm, I'm at this point almost like a disinterested observer in this election. Like I don't really, <laughs> like I, I don't want Trump to win frankly. And I'm like, you know, it would be good. You know, people always talk about like DACA and the Supreme court and everything like that. And I agree with that stuff for the most part. Uh, uh, I don't really, get to control, you know, how the election turns out or whatever. But I guess, yes, if I was like purely just getting to decide whether it would be Trump or Biden, I'd be like for very small reasons, Biden. Um, but there's a lot that's like very dangerous about Biden, you know, uh, uh, the Biden presidency for for the American left and just in general, I think. Uh, uh, and, you know, Kamala doesn't really sort of like rectify or, you know, uh, uh, do anything to sort of uh, uh, to, to 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 you know to, to to make that better, I guess. Yeah, I I also wonder between the two of them, you don't really have a good campaigner. You know, I'm like, I think here's the thing with Kamala is that you know I think that she is such a celebrity to the people that like make these decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and yeah. and also to fundraisers too. Like, you know, Kamala can draw money in a big way. Like, it all dried up when it was clear that she wasn't going to go anywhere in the primary. But before there were like polls being held, she was like collecting <laughs> a ton of money from Silicon Valley and like Hollywood. You know, yeah. and these are the sort of like core donor groups of uh, uh of the Democratic Party. Um, so I don't know, like it, it, like the Kamala pick, I'm like, compared to some of the crazier picks, like it's, it's better politics. Um, you know, I, I'm not that impressed with Kamala Harris. I also do think that, you know, this pick is, we've already seen it going to give, uh, the, the Trump team, Trump, a lot of footage to work with, uh, yes. uh, both with like, you know, her prosecutorial history, uh, and also just with the things that she said about Joe Biden, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I don't know, like, you know, but the, the philosophy of this election is kind of just to like run out the, run out the clock, uh, and try not to make too many waves because Trump is getting up COVID so bad. I am not, sure that that's a strategy that will work but that's a strategy that they're running with and so for that strategy you know Kamala is a pretty good like don't upset the apple cart kind of can you know pick 
you know, but it, I do think it misses the moment on, you know, uh, uh, police, uh, uh, defunding police and even police reform. Um, and I also think, you know, it's this kind of identity focused, you know, uh, uh, thing of like Biden, team Biden probably was recognizing that he was having trouble with black voters. I also think one of the reasons why the Kamala pick was delayed so long was because of the George Floyd protests and them to sort of like, you know, make a little distance between uh, uh, that news cycle and this one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like uh, looking at it, politic, look, looking at it uh, as far as like the politics that I want to see happen in, in America that, you know, uh, uh, will make this country, you know, not uh, fail, I guess. Uh, I don't <laughs> think it's a very good pick. But as far as like, you know, run, the election that they're currently running right now, uh, it's a better pick than the other three bizarre choices they were floating. Well, that's. There's just something about, and I've been very, very critical of the the Hyde Biden thing in general, just because I think whenever you're not creating your own narrative, then you're catching up with somebody else creating a narrative for you. Like there's, right. there's just you're you're always going to be reacting, and that's never like winning campaigns. But winning campaign books are never like, well, as we watch the other campaign just spin, we did nothing. It's always like the story about what story you told, right? And I think now. It just almost feels like, especially when, did you read the story this week in The Hill that said that Biden has no door knockers and no ground game at all? <laughs> Listen, I, you know, I, I didn't see that story, but I have been keeping up with basically like the staffing in, in, in all these states. Yeah. And I think that the staffing has been really, really strange. I do. <laughs> I mean, as much as you can say like, oh, it's COVID, it's COVID. It's like, yeah, but. The census is putting people out there. <laughs> like right. They... I, I also, you know, and some of the staffing I think is based on like who's available uh, as far as like who's like hot in Democratic staffing for the moment. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like like they're staffing up a ton in Texas. And I'm like, I don't think you're going to win Texas, but maybe. But, you know, I don't see as many staffing announcements about like, you know, Michigan and Wisconsin and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I think you're staffing a lot in Texas because the Beto campaign made a lot of people popular within the Democratic, you know, uh, uh, fundraising infrastructure and what they are able to pitch and they're able to get, you know, get pitches is like, let's make a play for Texas. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't necessarily know that it's like the good political strategy. It's just like that's who is available to work for the Democrats right now. It just kind of feels like Hollywood. Right. And you're it's, somebody it's you're, you're somebody yeah, who's no. in show business that like you like. Nothing gets made because it's necessarily the best idea. It gets made like who's because around and like who's in and who's yeah. got the pitch and everything. Like who can get in the room to give the pitch and blah blah blah. And I guess yeah. to a certain extent that's business as well. But an agile campaign shouldn't necessarily have that sort of structure to it. But but that that is what we've seen with the Democratic Party recently. Is there is just kind of this entrenched holding of advisors and strategy people, and when they're not doing the actual work they're doing podcasts or they're working with uh -huh. netflix or, or literally for netflix like susan rice yeah you know, susan rice was on the board of netflix which is truly bizarre like you're saying it's more like entertainment and i'm like well that's because like i think that there's a major overlap now between the world of entertainment and sort of democratic politics like you know when people on the right 
complain about that. They're not like 100 percent wrong. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's because like Democratic politicians have like cultivated celebrities to sort of be like, you know, their mouthpieces and receive talking points from them. And a lot of this stuff happens on like DM groups or on like e emails with publicists and stuff. But that is like the core of what's happening is like, you know, celebrities are direct mouthpieces for like, in you know, influential public officials. Let me ask you about the ascendant, this click that with Kamala landing the plane here and getting the VP, it's going to be a weird VP selection because if Joe Biden is serious about saying he's not going to run for a second term, which I'll believe it when I see it because politicians say stuff like that all the time and very rarely do it. But It'll never happened. If, I, I, I honestly think, swear to God, yeah. no politician ever, if they're alive and like, you know, given the opportunity to like keep holding on to power is going to give it up. Ever, so ever. I truly yeah. think if Biden is like alive and even like and if he's like able to go on television and be as coherent as he is today or close to it, uh, which is not very. Uh, but as long <laughs> as he's not far less coherent than that, uh, yeah. he, he will still run for president. I, I agree. But let's say based on what he's saying that, that he right. won't like. That makes Kamala more powerful than him the day he gets inaugurated because yes, he's know. a he's a you know so it's like it, it's a very very weird position but final question the ascendant kind of group in democratic politics is this like Gavin Newsom Kamala Harris Bay Area like yeah. brand plus Silicon Valley and Hollywood fundraising equals 2020 democrat uh, where do you think that uh, abodes for some of the progressive causes. Well, you know, we also did see a lot of progressive wins, you know, over the last like couple weeks as well. Sure. And like a lot yeah. of that stuff is happening locally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I am not, uh, like, like, like I said, I am, I, I, I am what I've been calling like now horse pilled. I'm now uh, a horse race pilled. <laughs> I now do, I'm doing the cynical and aw awful thing of viewing it entirely as horse race politics because yeah. there's nothing for me in national politics right now. You know what I mean? And frankly, if I'm looking forward you know, uh, um, like there's nothing for maybe like eight or ten years in national politics. I've, I've, you, I've, you I've never, I mean? I've like, never felt closer to you. I've never if, felt if, closer to you than right now. This like, is, I'm uh, so excited. Horse filled. <laughs> that's it. Horse pills for all. I love it. It's nice. It's nice and cynical. Uh, uh, someone else, by the way, reminded me earlier that another horse pill is ketamine. Uh, when I said horse <laughs> pill, people were like ketamine, and I was like, no, 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 it's a different type of horse pill. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, 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 but yeah, you know, I, I, uh, you know. A lot of good stuff is happening locally. We, you know, all of the squad, you know, hit their reelections, yep, you know, yep. despite the sort of centrist crowing about how what a difficult time they were all going to have and everything like that. So, you know, I do think that there is still and, and frankly, like, you know, if we look at even the movement in the streets and like all the direct action happening right now with the George Floyd protests, which have kind of, you know, metastasized into something into larger sort of anti-police protests. So I'm like, that is, you know also sort of reflective of the uh, of the power of the growing left or whatever. But I'm like, you know, presidential politics, like there's a lot of folks that are going to do a lot to, you know, to try to stifle you. And, you know, Bernie basically retired. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, that was yeah. kind of the shot this year. The man had a heart attack and I don't know what goes on with him or whatever, but he's retired. And so let's be realistic about this. Like, you know, uh, Biden is never going to like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you can keep like you fight, you fight Biden. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I actually think, you know, what's going to be interesting about a Biden win. And by the way, 
I'm not as convinced as everybody that Biden is going to just skate with this because, you know, even though the polls look good, they are like, you know, basically a single digit increase over where Hillary was at this time. And that's a significant amount. But that's a single digit increase in like the most insane crisis. Yeah. Like maybe it's, in American it, 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 history. It's, it's likely you know I mean? it's like, likely to get better. Right. Even you know? if it's even if it's slow. Yeah, like that's that's I don't know. I I I, I, I think I think it's going to be close. It's going to be close. It's going to be close. And people are also, you know, really forgetting that we also do the October surprise as a wonderful tradition in this country. And like, you know, Barr in charge of the Justice Department is like a pretty willing participant with like doing it with Trump. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wonder what we'll see toward the end of this election, whether it's like, you know, Hunter Biden having to come speak before the Senate or King Obama administration officials like indicted over Flynn or something. You know what I mean? Like we are, you know, people are so confident about Biden when I'm like, he's like three points up over where Hillary was. And he's like, actually can't speak. And, you know, like he's only at that point because nobody has to like watch him deal with any kind of crisis. Uh, yeah. And that's because they haven't faced they haven't like put a crisis at him yet. By the way, you know, the Tara Reid thing was as close as it's gotten to a crisis in the general uh, uh, for Joe Biden. And yeah. he handled it really, really badly when it was him handling it personally. And, you by, know. The, and by the way, Kamala Harris said that we should believe her. Uh, which is another, which uh, another is fun really thing. bizarre another and all the thing. other accusers <laughs> and said that like Joe Biden was directly responsible for her being in segregated busing. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah. What a strange world. Uh, I will I will uh, get you out of here on this compliment, which was a tweet you made about uh, uh, Biden after being elected. Uh, we get on the official White House medium account. The riots must stop with the key <laughs> art being an image from the Obama years. I'm That's- telling you, this is my prediction. If Biden is the president, we he will be the podcaster president, the medium post president. They won't have him read off the teleprompter. They'll just post what they would have done on the teleprompter on medium uh, with a picture of him, which is kind of. Like, and I know that we're really we're really getting into some bizarre apples to oranges on this, but it's like <laughs> that's more dystopian than most of the stuff that people have been screaming in like the this is not normal, this is a dystopian thing. Like just but then, having to be honest with you, I would say go back and look at the old clips of Nancy Reagan Fair like, point. like Fair point. telling Reagan how to like catch his train of thought and stuff like this. Like it's all a We've flat seen circle. It. We've seen this it has been as yeah. clownish as it's always been in this country. Absolutely. Uh Jack Allen. Allison, thank you so much. Uh, again, ah, Struggle Session and Jack AM. All right, talk to you later. All right, everybody, calm down. Everybody here needs to cool out. Deep breath. Fire hose it takes there. The excitement of my mom. Heaton's measured enthusiasm for question marks. Uh, Jack Allison telling us what horse pilling is and explaining that indeed he is not asking we all collectively fall into a K-hole. It all comes to you, as well as everything after this, because of the folks who go to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. You guys support the show. It goes because of you. Uh, and all the improvements that we're making to the live stream set, that's coming because of you. Everything that we're doing with the newsletter, that's because of you guys. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. But you really want to go there for the podcast because $1, just one simple dollar, 
gets you the custom RSS feed. That's the lowest, at the big tent tier. What that does is get you the custom RSS feed. Make sure that these episodes come out to you. I don't know how it works. Patreon just goes faster than Apple and, and Spotify and all the other podcatchers. It gets you that. You want a bonus episode on Monday and a bonus episode on Thursday? And now that news is actually happening, you want it? Well, then you go to the $3 tier. You want your name right at the end of the show, the $10 tier, and boy howdy the donor class. A salute to you folks. It all happens at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. All right, real quick. Our back-to-school special is on Friday featuring uh, experts, uh, education experts, uh, real parents. Uh, We want you to be a part of it. TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com. If you are a parent, no childless voices. I'm going to be, I I aim to be the only non-expert childless person on the show. Uh, uh, So I want real people, real listeners, your actual concerns. TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com. And here's how committed I am to being the only childless, non-expert voice on the show. I'm going to have a co-host. My co-host, mother of two, Tamar. She is a, a, a huge part of PX3. She books the guests and helps shape the show. She is my co-host for Friday's program. See you there. All right, more reactions. Let's go to the Trump side. Chad Prather is the host of the Chad Prather Show. It is on Blaze TV and YouTube. We welcome him from an automobile somewhere in Texas. Uh, Welcome to the show, Chad. Hey, man. It's good to be with you. Uh, Good to have you on. So uh, what is your initial impression of Kamala Harris? Well, it's uh, I think it's an interesting pick. I kind of took me by surprise. I was sort of thinking that it would be Susan Rice, although, you know, let's face it, it adds a whole new dynamic with Kamala coming into the race. I think that uh, it it makes for a formidable race, even though she didn't show very well in the, you know, primaries herself, uh, started out strong, but but then sort of seemed to fall off. So, you know, I I think the weird thing is you've got all of these uh, protests and even in some cases riots going on where they want to either defund the police or they want reparations or there's all of this stuff going on. And you got someone who was a top cop as a prosecutor. uh, And, uh, you know, of course, the stuff comes out about her family being a you know, uh, descended from slave owners, which, of course, in the conversation of reparations is, is a pretty interesting thing there. Uh, you know, because, you know, that's, that seems to be the, um, the guilt du jour is everybody has to be guilty of what their ancestors did. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. I think it's going to be certainly a battle for Joe. I, I'm at a point now I'm trying to figure out uh, who Kamala is going to pick as her VP? Because <laughs> I don't know how long I don't know how long Joe's going to be in this thing. Well, uh, yeah, you know, and, I mean, and of course the the memes have exploded, the jokes have exploded, they're all out there. But I think that was going to happen regardless of whoever he picked. Yeah, there, there is kind of a weird balancing act because Joe has flirted with the idea that he's not going to run for a second term, uh, and yeah. that would effectively make Kamala more powerful than. Joe, I mean, in the same way that if Trump won, Mike Pence would steadily become more powerful than Donald Trump just by the way that lame duck presidents work. 
uh, Kamala <laughs> would become more powerful than than Joe. Uh, obviously, she's a lot younger. Uh, do you think that yeah. is this race on some level from the Trump perspective running against Kamala Harris? I, I think it is. I, I think now it became, you know, normally whoever's added on as the VP is you, you add on an area that you're trying to appease or appeal to or win. Uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of a snooze fest uh, on who gets picked as VP. This is what, this is a very important pick because of the nature of this. You know, if, if Joe Biden wins, if he were to come back up for a second term, he'd be 82 years old. So, uh, you know, it, Kamala becomes very important in in this conversation. So now, uh, now Mike Pence becomes very relevant in terms of how they debate, how they communicate going forward, uh, and what all that looks like. And something that typically the VP, you know, the vice presidential debates could have been a snooze fest. Now I think it could, you could put it on pay per view. It is. It is. It's going to be interesting because I think people are kind of underrating Mike Pence as a debater. I think he's a little bit. I mean, he's not exactly Mr. Excitement, but but I think I think he's a little bit better yeah. than some people are giving him credit for. Uh, uh, let's let's talk about some of the reaction to Kamala. The, the initial Trump ads that came out within seconds of the announcement were portraying her as phony, of course, pegged on the idea that she called Joe Biden a racist on television. Uh, she then insinuated that. Tara Reid and some of the other accusers that say Joe Biden sexually assaulted them should be believed. So obliquely calling him a rapist. Uh, and now she is yeah. uh, a, a second in command there. Do you think that that sticks to her? Uh, I think it should. I, I think if that's, you know, otherwise the words, everything, you know, if you're going to start eliminating, uh, picking and choosing what you believe from the debate stage, then you have to throw it all out. You either have to accept all of it or you have to throw all of it out. You can't pick and choose. Well, I was thinking this in that moment. Uh, you know, there's no excuse there. She said it, she stood by it. Uh, those are strong accusations to call someone a racist and a segregationist. And then also to call somebody basically a rapist to say, I believe Tara Reid. I believe the allegations. Those are strong. Those are strong things to say, in order to go back on those now. So I wish that someone in the media would ask the hard questions. But unfortunately, I just don't think anybody on the Biden side of things are going to get asked uh, any hard questions. I, I, you know, I, I almost anticipate the media asking, you know, debate questions of Joe Biden, for instance, do, do your leg hairs really lay down uh, when they're <laughs> rubbed in the pool? I, you know, I, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of, there's not going to be a lot of hard hitting uh, fact finding there. It's going to be another one of those swept under the rug events. So it's unfortunate, but that's just the way I believe it's going to be. Well, yeah, and and even you know the the uh, conventions that are coming up, which are obviously very stage managed. You don't see anything particularly sure, yeah. damaging to either party during a convention, but will be that much more stage managed since I guess they're just going to be YouTube videos. They're just going to edit together YouTube videos and play them in prime time. Like, is that pretty much the only thing they're going to do? <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. I uh, hope they don't do it. You know, I, I, Joe's already proven that he's horrible with Zoom. So uh, we'll see how that all goes. It's going to be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think that this is going to be, it's going down in history. I mean, look, 
we're what 80 days out from an election and we're just now choosing a VP. We haven't had, there's been no debates. There's been no, it doesn't even feel like a, an election year No, really, with everything that's going on. It doesn't, there's there, you haven't had all of the, uh, but, but at the same time, I think people have chosen their sides. I think they chose their sides a long, long time ago. Uh, and the animosity for Donald Trump is so strong that people know who they're going to vote for. I don't think there's a single thing, uh, unless I'm shockingly wrong, I, I don't think there's a single thing that a Donald Trump can say to persuade people to come over to his side. I just don't think there's that many people in the middle that are undecided. So, you know, November will tell us a whole, whole lot. I wonder, I mean, and that's, look, Donald Trump got elected by saying, Forget people in the middle. We're going to energize the base. The base needs to come out. The right. base needs to be enthusiastic, and that's that's really what matters. The idea of the 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 mythological uh, uh, independent voter who's going to be rubbing their temples until election day and then finally be decided by wit and and uh, logic is just kind of a a fake media thing. And so you would rather go out there and just talk to the people that would otherwise sit on their couch and and not vote for you. Yeah. So I guess. My question from your perspective to the Democrats, does Kamala and Biden together get otherwise politically aligned, but maybe not motivated voters to get off their couch and vote for that ticket, no matter how much they hate Trump in, you know, on Twitter? I think you're going to see a lot of people that don't vote in this election. Uh, I've been saying that now for about six months. I you know, that regardless of what happened, I think you're going to have a lot of folks who are so disgusted with, with you know, everything about this election, all of these candidates. I think you're going to see a lot of lethargic uh, people out there that just say, no, nope, we'll just see how it all falls out. Now, that being said, you know, one of the things that I think Trump needs to do that he, that he did in that he did in 2016, hang on, <laughs> that he did in 2016 that he's not doing now is that he's not casting a big broad vision yeah yeah you know he's not doing what he did in 2016 with a big broad vision and really casting a vision for the future uh and that's that's something that he's going to have to do um otherwise it's it's really hurting because right now it's kind of status quo yeah i think he really i i think he's really paying for the fact that he tried to push the economy too hard before the virus i think that that's the right. he, he kind of took two steps back now and now i think you know he's he's taking it more seriously he's not yelling at reporters during the uh the the briefings <laughs> and and that i think is is indicative of uh of, of the new strategy but we will see exactly where where things go from there last question before we get you out of here you mentioned before the memes with kamala harris uh certainly in in right leaning circles, she was a tremendous uh, a, a target of derision, not only for Jussie Smol- Smollier and uh, uh, for uh, uh, her relationship with Willie Brown at the beginning of her career. Exactly how spicy do these memes get uh, as we get closer to Election Day? Uh, I think they're pretty strong. I, I've seen Joe in the hoe. I've seen uh, I've seen. Um... <laughs> I've seen pee pads and knee pads. Uh, you know, I, it, it's pretty interesting. Some of the stuff, you know, rather than Donald Trump's art of the deal, I've seen art of the kneel. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so it's pretty strong stuff that's out there. Uh, and I just don't think, but, but at the same time, at the same time, she's a smart person. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. Uh, she's going to be a formidable op- opponent in that regard as VP. 
Uh, I think she is a solid pick for VP in regards to what Joe Biden needs. And uh, I think that uh, people, if if you underestimate somebody just simply because you want to ridicule them or make fun of them, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass, uh, quite literally. And so uh, I hope that folks don't rely on things like that and they stick to the issues. I'll tell you what, it's a lesson that I'm sure a lot of Democrats wish they learned when they were uh, taking Donald Trump as a joke. And then he became the president (laughs) of the United States. Uh, Chad Prather is the host of the Chad Prather Show on uh, the Blaze TV, and uh, you can also follow his YouTube channel. Chad, uh, thank you very, very much, and I hopefully uh, you enjoy your order. Thank you, brother. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, man. All right, guys, into the home stretch here. Let's take a look through the historical lens. The University of Maine's history professor, a favorite of you guys, according to your survey that you go, you all just filled out at bit.ly slash px3poll, Michael Sokolow joins the show. How you doing, Michael? Hi. All right. Kamala Harris, the last time you were on, uh, I even forget what the topic was because I know uh, while we were talking, it was such a good conversation, we started talking about... Uh, current politics, and I realized that I was not going to be able to save this interview. I I had to run it like that day because (laughs) we were so on the ball. But one of the things that people really liked was uh, uh, you defending the the Biden uh, strategy of of not being out there as much because you wanted to keep the attention on Donald Trump. So I figured I'd go back to you and talk to you about the Kamala pick. What was your takeaway? Uh, my takeaway was the safe and expected pick, and it complements uh, what he was doing perfectly. And I think it was so unexpected. I mean, it was so expected that it's all part of the glide path. Yeah, the, that that this is. It's just no one's going to be really uh, uh, super upset about it. It's not going to ruffle any feathers, and therefore, if you are all in on this strategy, that the best. Uh, offense is a good defense, then then that's all you really need is just not make mistakes and and you're on your way. I mean, it's it, exactly it's more of the Biden um, willing and he's proven this consistently, right? It's Biden willing to take his left for granted that they're going to come, they're going to show up for him somehow, and and move, you know, and take away. I think the genius of it or the the smartest thing, although I don't think it's really, I don't think it's going to add or take away much. I don't think vice presidential picks ever do that, but um, you know, it it was clear Trump is headed towards the law and order thing uh, coming this fall. And he now has a, 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 he now has to go against a district attorney in California with a pretty good law and order record. I mean, at least one that uh, uh, progressives are mad at her for. And, and that, you know, that, that, that's its own thing, right? That, that the, the enemy, if, if Trump is running against the progressives and the progressives are mad at her, then theoretically that's, that, that can't be a bad thing. Exactly. And that's why Trump had a hard time attacking her yesterday. But I mean, I, we, we can't take the progressive disappointment. Uh, th- there is this teeny thing. It's not teeny, but it's, it, could, it could explode more. Yeah. If you're really serious about police reform, if you're really serious about police reform, you have the guy who who was behind mass incarceration in the Senate <laughs> in the 1990s teaming up with a district attorney with a pretty uh, tough record in California. So, I mean, that disappointment's real. I don't want to make light of it. Sure, sure. And, and you know, they certainly will not be tapping into some of the energy in the streets, this ticket. 
Like you were you were going to have to <laughs> rely on the fact that people out there hate Trump so bad they will go vote compared to giving them something to really get excited for considering the stuff that they were out there protesting about. And and I think what you just said is is really key because you know, if he is going to win Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, if he's going to take enough, even if Trump uh, pulls off some miracles in certain places, if he's going to take enough of those, then um, then he's going to have to, um, you know, he's going to have to tick that box that you just said. He's going to have to uh, 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 not disappoint the left too much. Let's take a bit of a meta uh, take on this. You mentioned before, and I totally agree with you, that, that vice presidential picks are usually vastly overrated. And, and all evidence would suggest that this one is indeed also overrated if people want to put too much stake into it. However, this is slightly different in that Biden has flirted more than we normally see with the idea that he's only going to serve one term. He is would be the oldest president ever elected. Would he uh, be elected uh, in November? And so Kamala, both in the kind of official uh, official posturing and even the unofficial posturing amongst pundits, kind of seems like she's being looked at as as a president elect in a way that I can't even is is to me more than even Sarah Palin was. And Sarah Palin was kind of particularly put out there to uh, grassroots Republicans as only being a heartbeat away from the presidency. Yeah, but I, again, I think too much you may made about that. But the first part of what you said about his age is really important because his first – if Joe Biden is elected, his first midterm election, he will be on the campaign trail as an 80-year-old, Yeah, which is astonishing to me. We've never seen that in American politics. Um, and, so, and so the Democratic Party is, like you're saying, it's essentially saying that she's going to be the energy – but if you look at the last series of vice presidential candidates who did not win, I mean, if, if they won, you've got a, a track record involving Gore and, <laughs> and um, Biden and others. But if they don't win, they disappear. Paul Ryan, yeah. 2012, gone. gone. Sarah Palin, gone. John Edwards, gone. Joe Lieberman, gone. Dan Quayle, gone. All these people are alive. And Dan Quayle was a sitting vice president. So it, it, you know, it's it's really sort of a nice edge in that sense. It's kind of it can be a ticket to obscurity, even if you win, like Dan Quayle did in 1988. So, um, you know, the question isn't so much is that what she'll do? Is is that what Biden will have her do? Which I don't know yet. Now, I I tend to be as bearish on the idea of one-term pledges as I am on the uh, valuability of vice presidents in general. So I do think as long as a president is alive, they are going to run no matter how old they are. But <laughs> if she, if, if Biden does come out and say, absolutely, this is my only term, then doesn't Kamala become more powerful than the president you know, gradually from the point of inauguration on like any other lame duck? Yeah, we but we agree in that Biden holds the key to that. Yes. Biden 100% holds the key to that. So like when Clinton and Gore, remember how Clinton and Gore were constantly talking about how they were interchangeable as president and vice president? Sure. And Clinton sort of groomed him for that run. Um, you know, the question is, will Biden do that with her? And, you know, I don't see him as really having that sort of personality. You know, Ob Obama didn't do it with Biden. 
No, he told him not to run. He told him not to run in 2016. <laughs> right, right. So it, it, it really comes down to personality. But, you know, it, I just can't get over the 80-year-old on the campaign trail in 2022, you know. I, so I, we're really in uncharted territory, I think it's fair to say. Really uncharted territory. Uh, so, so my, hey, don't forget, don't forget one ahead. aspect here. All right. If Biden loses, you also have the oldest president in history in Trump. Yes. Trump would have to hit, Trump would have to do midterm electioneering in 2022. So either way, if assuming one of the two of them is going to win, that's going to be the craziest midterm election we've ever seen. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we, we elected the oldest president before, right? So we'd be breaking our own record if we elected somebody <laughs> even older, uh, uh, this time, uh, or again, he just you know, uh, uh, as 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 happens to us all, uh, the years keep coming and they don't stop coming, as Smash Mouth saying. Uh, so so my 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 one contention is that Kamala doesn't necessarily bring anybody new. Although I guess from from your your initial point, that's kind of by design. This is not going to necessarily bring anybody new, but it's also not going to turn away anybody. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, well, I, I, I mean, uh, go ahead. It's the it's the triumph. It's a very interesting triumph of identity politics, right? Because if you think about it from a political perspective, from an ideological perspective, the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, all these people, uh, uh, even Pete Buttigieg to an extent, all these people who got so many people energized in that primary period of January and February, are are. You know, they're, they're, they're trapped in a way. I mean, it's very savvy in terms of Biden because it's the first, you know, um, it's the first woman of color on a on a vice presidential ticket. And uh, and they have to be happy about that. But from an ideological perspective, she's really not their choice. So it's, it, it's, it's a savvy choice in that sense. But it's a very identity politics kind of thing, but but somewhat hollow on the inside. And that's the, that's the question we'll all be watching. Is the is the the left going to be disappointed ideologically enough to stay home? But I, I don't I don't think it will. Yeah, I guess really it depends on how we're how we're drawing a circle around the left, right? Like, like is how big is that progressive wing? And I think that's the the bet is from Biden is that they can be disappointed, but they won't be so disappointed they'll stay home and even if they do stay home, those that stay home aren't going to be enough to really like uh, uh, make a difference because otherwise they would have and given. What do you think? And what do you think of that bet? That's the, I think you just nailed it. What, and where do you think that's going in the next three months? They better hope they're right. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's my only thing. My only thing about the Biden campaign is like, Hey, look, based on available data, that seems like a smart plan. It seems like a good idea, but it's based on assumptions that we don't know are real. And and that's my my only thing. My only thing with Haida Biden. My only thing with all of this is that when you look at campaigns, very rarely are they about we didn't control the narrative. And even though the narrative right now is good for them by not doing anything because COVID is awful, the economy is in shambles. We don't know if that's going to be the case in November. Obviously, we will have the scars of it no matter what, but. If it is better in November, then you have spent all this time not controlling the narrative. And then at that point, if it comes down to the margins, you didn't really give a lot back to the progressives. And not only was Bernie Sanders a very successful primary campaign until the the, the centrists combined, but also there's literally people in the streets. 
and they're asking for things that you're not going <laughs> to give them. So, you know, you, I, again, by the numbers, it seems like a good idea. But again, I hope they, they better hope they're right. <laughs> Those are all great points. Great points. We'll have to come back in November and record this and, and check that. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, thank you very, very much. Michael Socolow, a media historian at the University of Maine. Uh, uh, thank you so much, sir. All right. Have a great day. Politics. And that will wrap it up for our extra long Kamala Harris edition of the show. I want to thank all of our guests one more time. Again, just to give you a sense of this, none of this was booked in advance. It's not like I had reached out to everybody and I said, uh, hey, in the event of Kamala Harris or anybody being named, will you guys be my constellation of perspectives on this? No, no, no. I reached out to everybody between yesterday and today on like minutes notice. And they came through. They are, of course, my mom, Gloria Young, Andrew Heaton, Jack Allison, Chad Prather, and Michael Sokolow. I thought they were all great. And I, I got smarter about where I think this race is. Hopefully you did too. And many of you may or may not be in the $10 club. That, of course, includes Modesto's own Logan Sisko, N.H. Blumkin, Chad, Headphones Neil, Water Eye Scoop, MacBook Pro, Dallas Danger Taylor, Middle Age Mike, DTNS, Hack 5, Brad, Wicked, Uncle, uh, Utah Jimmy Montana, Frozen, Zach and Cheese, Captain Bunzo, Zombie Doc, Berkeley Steven, your boy Craig, TroublePhilm.com, Robert, Mr. Tallyman, D Laser, I Poop My Pants, Just Another Pilot, Alex Mitchell, Severio, Martin, Alec, Government Unlimited, Jerry, Andrus, Archie, J. Milius, The Jen, The Crap in My Pants, Olin and Angela, DL, Brian, IPoopMyPants.com, Miranda, Janelle, Robert, Glenn, Wolf, Brand, Jelly, Scoop, Richard, J. Pink, and Andrew. If you want to join their ranks, you head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Another reminder, I am going to be live covering whatever the hell these conventions are going to be. Honestly, I have no idea what they are going to be, but we will be there for them live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Justin R. Young, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next week, and then the week after that for the Republican convention, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. are the main speaking blocks. That's when we're going to be live, probably a little bit before, probably a little bit after, but the only way that you can catch it that, that's, that stuff is not going to be on the on the podcast feed. You got to catch that on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Justin R. Young. Because people don't like the long haul stuff on the podcast. Some people do. I always get some people that are like, why don't you put this on the podcast? I talk like this for some reason. And I'm like, whenever I've done that in the past with other stuff and people are like, no, I don't want the long form. I want the tweet, 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 the edited stuff. All right. Uh, reminder, you can find me on social media at Justin R. Young. Until next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more talk about politics, but this is the only show that talks about all three.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>